0: Welcome to the alpha female podcast with me, your host, Robin Baldwin. This show is to inspire you to embrace living like an alpha female, but what is an alpha female? An alpha female is a powerful and assertive woman. Her confidence is due to being an intelligent and intellectual problem solver. She chooses ambition and is proud of it, but strives for a happy and healthy work-life harmony. An alpha female puts herself first, sticks to her priorities, but nurtures relationships with all the people in her life. So let's get started. I've alluded to in the past how I use essential oils in my life to up-level my health. They're just basically a tool in my healthcare tool belt. If you're confused about how to use essential oils and you have no idea how to incorporate them in your life, I want to provide you with my top 10 ways to use essential oils cheat sheet. So head on over to bit.ly forward slash oil cheat sheet. That's bit.ly forward slash oil cheat sheet. O-I-L-C-H-E-A-T-S-H-E-E-T to get your free copy now. You are listening to the Alpha Female Podcast, episode 103. All links and show notes can be found at robinbaldwin.com forward slash podcast. Today on the show, we're talking to Natalie Mutushenko. She's an internationally acclaimed leadership coach, speaker, writer, adventurer, and creator of the Passion and Purpose Life Course, which, since 2001, has helped soulful goal-getters figure out what they were put on this earth to do and turn their many ideas, talents, and passions into successful purpose-driven businesses, creative projects, while creating lives they love. So Natalie has reinvented her life several times from debilitating childhood trauma and addiction to Ivy League University, top business school and high-flying job, to now living her dream life, splitting her time between South America and the U.S., and spending a couple months a year traveling the world with her husband and three daughters. So welcome to the show, Natalie.
1: Hi, Robin. Thanks so much for having me here. I'm really excited to be here
0: with you and your audience. Yeah, I'm excited. I, um, we, we've just recently connected and, and jumped into recording right away. So I'm excited to get to know you a bit better. Um, so tell our listeners, uh, how do you see yourself as an alpha female based on the definition that we kind of love over here?
1: Well, you know, I have always been driven. I have, you know, I was very much raised to be, you know, very in a very intellectual world, you know, to in an immigrant family. So getting ahead and, you know, having a great job and a stable yet high-paying career was really important. Uh, where I come from, you know, studying hard, getting into a top university, um, all all that good stuff, and I did what was expected of me. Um, and yet somewhere along the way, well, I know we're along the way, pretty early on in my career, in my twenties, I realized that, you know, having a great life is so much more than that for me. Like I wanted the great career, which to me meant doing what I love and making an impact, a huge impact in the world using my gifts and talents not necessarily, you know, what my family or others wanted me to do, but also, you know, having an amazing soulful marriage, having three kids and, you know, really having them thrive and having great relationships with them, taking care of myself, traveling the world, having adventures. Basically I wanted it all
0: <laughs> and I still want and it all. And you still do. Yeah. So do you, did you ever have like specific moments? Because I I guess there's kind of like categories in there. There's like the career, there's the family, there's the marriage. Did you ever have specific moments where you're like, okay, I can do better. Or this, I'm so clear on what I want. Were there any moments or was it just kind of like ever evolving?
1: Well, all of the above, right? There's constant moments where I feel like I can do better. I feel like that's part of, you know, the downside of being an alpha female is always wanting more and always seeing where I could have done better. Uh, But No, I I think it was, it was really my journey because as I mentioned, um, well, I didn't mention this part. I was actually born in the former Soviet Union. We emigrated to the States when I was young. And I, like I said, I was raised by two immigrant parents who were highly educated, but were completely starting from scratch with a young daughter to take care of. So, you know, they work two jobs, they work super hard. I was always, you know, I was trained that, you know, it's all about work. And about being successful in societal terms, which meant, you know, some, a stable career that made lots of money um, and, and all the rest of it. And as I, as I was applying to universities, I was really into psychology and art. But my parents were basically like, uh-uh, pre-law, pre-med engineering or business. Pick one. You need Stable to make Stable jobs, please. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We're not paying for anything else. And, and so business sounded like the most flexible out of the bunch, except that I wound up at Wharton, you know, a top business school and the kind pretty much the number one finance program in the world with, you know, people who were just off and running and making millions And so I was so trained for that. And there I was, I was 22. I had a job straight out of college working at the World Bank, working on multi-multi-million-dollar projects, traveling the world first class. I even sat behind Robert De Niro on the Concorde once, flying you know, from Paris to New York. I'm mm, too um, fancy. <laughs> I know, right? And this is little old me from an immigrant family. My first bed in the U.S. just 12 years before, or 15 years before, was something my parents found in the garbage. Cause that's all they could afford. Right. And here I am 15 years later. I mean, I was their dream come true. I was the American dream. Um, and you know, I had, I was getting paid really good money, six weeks of vacation a year that I was actually allowed to take a diplomatic passport to never have to wait in immigration lines. I mean, you know, given what I was raised for, I had it made. And of course my family thought I had it made, but here's the problem. I hated finance. I'm a I'm the small little detail. I love traveling the world and meeting people, but I was always like literally in navy blue skirt suits with pantyhose, right? This was 20 years ago. Um, in so you hated the industry or you hated what you were doing or both? I think all of the above. Okay. Again, I'm, I'm a people person, right? Oh, I, I was fascinated with psychology, with what makes people tick, with, you know, And so the industry, especially at that time, it was all men and me and it was all about money and that's all anyone cared about, you know, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with money, but, you know, how you get the money (laughs) matters to me. And there was a lot of unethical and just, you know, great stuff going on and on top of it all yeah, there's a lot of just working with numbers and figuring out returns on investments. And in between the fancy travel was a lot of time spent in front of the computer running financial models and back to, well, I'm a people person. <laughs> so yeah. And while my fellow, you know, the colleagues who I was traveling with were reading like the financial times and the economist on our long plane ride, I was always sneaking, you know, personal growth
0: books and, um, and this was probably before i so i used to work for kobo the e-reading company so this was probably before e-readers where you could actually hide what you were reading
1: Right, this is. Yeah, this is before this is when you had an actual
0: book. Oh, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> like, oh, God, do I have to pretend I want to read the Financial
0: Times? <laughs> That's so funny. Um, yeah, you like hide the book inside the the larger magazine. <laughs>
1: Not pretty much, right? And try to always say, Oh, I couldn't get a
0: seat right next to you. Um, I have to sit, you know, a few rows back. <laughs> so, like, okay, so uh I want to kind of like dig into this a little bit because it sounds like there was like moments where you're like career, I've, I've got it made, but this is not filling me up. This is, this is not kind of, um, where I'm meant to be. And it's fascinating that, you know, you've created a a passion and purpose life course. Um, but were there moments within, uh, you know, your corporate world that you absolutely love? Were you taking care of yourself at this time or did this all kind of happen after you left the corporate world?
1: Well, no, it was part of the journey because, uh, you know, as you mentioned in the intro, I also, there was a lot of serious trauma in my childhood. And so everything sort of came to a head after, well, I should mention after a couple of years in the, um, in the corporate world, we took a. The man who then became my husband and I, we took a year sabbatical and backpacked through Southeast Asia. This was, you know, 20 years ago before any before anybody, at least in the U.S., was doing it and really before the Internet. So it was the opportunity to completely check out from, you know, it was like calling home once a month from literally a phone station somewhere just to say, hey, we're alive. And that was an amazing, amazing year, not just because we got to see a lot, but because having an opportunity to just get away from my family, quite frankly, from all everything that I was raised to be, and meet people who have chosen alternative lifestyles, you know, Austrian engineers who chose to become energy healers, or Italians who chose to open up a little restaurant on the beach in Thailand somewhere, just really broadened my horizon and perspective as to what was possible. And so I came back to the States after that trip, I went back to the world bank. I need, you know, cause I didn't know what I was going to do. Plus I needed the money. I still needed to pay off student loans and I stayed there for another three or four years, but I was so clear that I was meant for more. I didn't know what that more was, but that if I could be so successful doing something I really don't like, as in finance, imagine what I could do if I actually was doing something that I loved. And so I pretty much came back just determined to heal a lot of the childhood trauma, to basically figure out what is my purpose, what am I meant to do in this world, and start doing it. And then everything sort of followed.
0: Now, did you start side hustling? Well,
1: what I started was actually volunteering. Okay. Because I was so always interested in psychology, I started taking courses in a psychology doctorate program, thinking that maybe I wanted to be a therapist. I started running a program uh, at a domestic violence hotline and shelter, Um, so kind of trying it out while I was doing a lot of my own kind of therapy and healing work and personal growth work. And that's when I also started taking care of my body, you know, it was all part of this process before I actually left. Like by the time I left, you know, four years later in my late twenties, I, um, you know, I had a
0: bit of a direction. Very cool. The reason to why I, was gonna I ask go is because our, our listeners are very like mixed between full-time corporate women and, um, entrepreneurs and then, Uh, side hustlers, those that are exploring, you know, passions while still working. So one of the, one of the things that the listeners are asking for is talking to guests in terms of like, how were they taking care of themselves while still in the corporate world? And what were they doing to explore uh, passions um, outside of, you know, the nine to five world?
1: Yeah, well, I think what I did, and this is often, you know, as you mentioned, now I have been running a passion and purpose life course for 16 years. Uh, because basically, after I made the switch and started doing some other things, everyone I knew started asking me, "How did you do it?" <laughs> Turns out there were a lot of unhappy people all around me, and that's how the Passion and Purpose Life Course was born. But what I what I did, and I always encourage people to do, is very much start exploring. You know, start volunteering if you can, start talking to people who are doing what you think you might want to be doing, see what opportunities open up, take courses. Yeah, even if you have an idea for a business that you can start doing part time, you know, start exploring that. I'm not a huge believer in just necessarily going cold turkey. Uh, you know, even, even, and I'll say this: even
0: if you can totally afford it, I think psychologically it can be really it can hard. can be a shock. And yeah, I yeah, when whenever I have entrepreneurial guests who come on and talk about you know what uh, you know, you know, supporting entrepreneurial women, I was like. Nope half of my listeners listeners are still in the corporate world like they they don 't care about leaving their job. they want to know how to take care of themselves and w- what they're doing so um, i love I love that this show is really based on work life harmony and lifestyle design and how we 're taking care of ourselves while um, going after whatever we want, whether that's entrepreneurial work or still being in the corporate world. Um, so the, there was one thing that I wanted to kind of touch on cause you said it and I was like, oh, it's so true, but it's part of the definition that an alpha female is never complacent about striving for better because, you know, we hate status quo. We, we don't right. want, oh my we, don't, God. we don't want to feel sta- stagnant, um, Uh, but it's, it's interesting that you use the words downside, um, about, you know, not wanting to be complacent and that it can be, uh, you know, an obsession, or we can spend like a little too much time on the self-development world and not celebrate where we're actually at. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I was wondering why you, you chose the words, um, downside.
1: Right. Well, I don't think of it necessarily as complacent as as content. Right. I think sometimes the downside in my experience of being myself and I would say many alpha females that I know is that we have a hard time being content with where we're at, which isn't necessarily the same thing as complacent, but it's like part of my life's journey has been learning to appreciate what I do have, right? And stop long enough to smell the roses, so to speak, and actually savor what I have achieved or created in my life before moving on to the next thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you have a gratitude practice? Yes. I do I have yeah oh yes I have a daily gratitude practice I have a mindfulness practice I know part of you know the show here and what people are looking for is around the self-care piece and that has been a big big part of my journey is I have to be honest I take about 2 hours a day taking care
0: of myself unapologetically. Awesome. So take us through what work-life harmony looks like for you. And that can incorporate, you know, how you structure your work days, your work hours, and then how you take care of yourself.
1: Yes. Well, okay. So I, I am an entrepreneur. I have a coaching and personal development business. I write, I, I do classes. I have individual clients. Um, I have an interview show where I interview amazing women who are making a difference in the world while living their passion and purpose. And I have three kids and a husband who travels a lot, and I myself love to travel and just have a really, really high sense of adventure. So it took years, but I feel like I finally have hit upon kind of the magic formula that works for me. Not to say it will work for everyone, but it works for me. So so basically, during the school years, um, we live in a small town in the South American Andes outside of the capital, So we still have access to all that. So the kids are basically gone from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. And they're 7, you know, 12 and 15 at this point. So basically, the, I always pay myself first. I don't schedule anything before 10 a.m. The first thing I do is work out about 45 minutes of cardio and weights. I meditate for 20 minutes. I do something called the healing code. Um... I do some kind of self-hypnosis intention setting for the day, um, which includes which includes what I'm grateful for um, in my personal life and my work life and about who I am as a person. And incru- includes like a three-year vision and uh, my vision, my intention for the day. So basically, yeah, all that winds up taking, you know, give or take blood shower and all winds up taking about two hours. And then I work basically from 10 to four. I'm really efficient. I don't take, you know, I don't take personal phone calls. I try to really minimize personal emails. Um, I schedule clients, I schedule blocks to write.
0: I'm pretty disciplined. Now, do you block the same sort of activities together or you kind of like you schedule out your weeks in terms of what needs to be done?
1: Both. I mean, I schedule in terms of what needs to be done just because again, you know, as a mom of three and, and plus living in Colombia where everything changes every day, you need to be flexible, you know, someone's sick. So something always changes. They call you to come to school for some presentation at the last moment, things like that. Uh, but I do try t- to block, like there are my videotaping days for my series. Cause you know, I go get my hair done and get all ready. So then I want to just tape all day long. There are my writing days. Um, I do find that as an extrovert, I need a healthy dose of people. So, and so say on my writing days, I will still have a couple clients in the morning just to get my fix of people. And, and then I can settle in to write. I literally find that as an extrovert, if I just do more, int- even though I would love to write, but if I just write all day, literally by about 3 p.m., I am drained and kind
0: of bummed and, and hating life.
1: Interesting. Yeah. You're like one of my
0: first extroverts. I tend to attract introverts.
1: Yeah. And there are a lot of introverts kind of in our field, yeah. right? So it's a lot about just learning what works for you, you know? Um, yeah. And then the kids are basically home. I shouldn't have said four, really they're home at like three 30. And then I turn into driver mom, you know, and do the family thing. That's so cool. Until they're all in bed and, um, try to get some time in when the younger ones go to sleep by eight, eight thirty. is, and my husband's not traveling. We try to do some couple time. We do, we do weekly dates. Um, try to get in some time, you know, with friends and travel. We do travel a lot. We spent summers in the U.S. And as I was mentioning to you before we started recording, the kids have time off. Like every month and a half, it's the way their school is structured. And then they have a month off over Christmas. So that's where we travel internationally. Like we're heading off to Sri Lanka now for a month That's um, in mid-December. So yeah, so it works, right? Because it's a lot to balance, but I feel
0: like like it's actually pretty balanced now. It's kind of exciting. It's funny because like, yeah, like work-life balance doesn't exist. But um, to hear you say like, this is how we structure our years, our months, or you know, time off of school. Uh, like it sounds like you've got structure figured out really well. Well,
1: you know, ironically, I'm actually a free spirit who is not a huge fan of structure. Interesting. But, (laughs) But having been raised by Soviet engineers, studying finance and financial models, you know, at a top business school and having three kids and being an entrepreneur has taught me to be really disciplined and really structured. Because that's the only way, the only thing I'm not good at, I have to be honest, is getting to bed at a good, at a decent hour. When my husband isn't traveling, he's really good at making us go to bed at 1030 and getting our eight hours, but he doesn't forget it. You know, there's always something else I want to do.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I have an alarm that goes off at 830 that tells me I have 30 minutes before bed. So if I'm like working on something or we're watching TV or something, we can just kind of like slowly slowly tune down everything um okay I want to ask um and we'll see how long the list is because it can tend to be long with my alpha females but what are you most passionate about
1: well really I mean yes I'm passionate about tons of stuff but I think ultimately I'm passionate about self-actualization about each person just you know it's like we get this one one life, and each person just making the most out of their lives, um, doing what they want to do, having adventures, doing what they love for a living, using their gifts and talents to make a difference in the world. You know, I constantly hear in conversation with with people. Oh, you know, I wish, you know, I wish I could do this, but I can't because whatever the excuse is. Right. And, and I'm always the person, you know, I'm like the unsolicited coach. I can't help myself. I start asking questions and then, you know, maybe giving them ideas of how they can do what they want to do. Um, because I just feel like there's so many ways that we, we limit ourselves by, you know, our mindset, by what we think is possible, Um, and it's, it's all made up. Like you can create your life to be however you want it to be. Um, if you're, you know, courageous enough to think outside the box and, and take those steps. And I'm, yeah, I'm
0: pretty darn passionate about that. Now, because you're a fan of psychology, have you kind of analyzed yourself in terms of why this has become your passion and purpose is to, um, guide others in this department?
1: Oh, yes. You know, I have I overanalyze myself <laughs> and everybody else. Well, definitely my upbringing. I mean, if, if you think about it, I was basically born in North Korea, you know, or what, you know, the equivalent of North Korea. I was born into a society where there was absolutely no freedom, no freedom of the individual to you forget to want what you want, but to even say what you think uh, without being sent off to Siberia, literally. So, and then I moved to the States when I was eight years old. And needless to say, I was on board really quickly with the American way. My parents, on the other hand, you know, took about 20 years to catch up. So I constantly live, grew up with this tension between all the possibilities I could imagine because by my nature, I'm a dreamer as my parents say. <laughs> and these constant quote unquote, practical constraints that my kind of Soviet engineering parents always saw, you know, like in their world, there was never enough, never enough money, never enough time, never enough anything, never enough possibilities. When I got that job at the World Bank, which I already described to you, which was a pretty good cushy job, they literally did not believe me. Not that I got that job, but they could not believe it was so outside of their scope of what is possible to have in a job especially as a 22-year-old, a I literally remember my dad getting angry at me saying, you're making this up. This isn't true. And it's not like I had a history of making stuff up. I was a pretty good kid as far as they were concerned, but it was literally so far outside of their scope of what's possible that they couldn't believe it. So I think a lot of my passion and purpose comes from that. It's like, there's so many possibilities. You know, my parents are an extreme case, but I can see it in so many people, in myself too, if I love myself, the way we limit ourselves, you know, in what we think is possible. And that, of course, in turn determines the life we live. And- there are so many possibilities out there and there's so many ways to live a life. You know, I have lived in five countries, worked in like at least a dozen, if not more, traveled to over 50 countries and deep immersion. And I mean,
0: there are a gazillion ways to live a life. It's fascinating to see that there's a, you know, a a huge generation that was so sacrificial in terms of building a better life for their future children and grandchildren. Um, And then we see an entire generation now who admire and are grateful and thankful for what they created, but then go like, how, how could it have been both ways? Like, how could it have been you know, abundance, creating and passion exploration. Um, and we'll see if my, i sometimes my mom listens to my podcast, but my mom was a beautiful, beautiful artist, um, and gave all of that up to raise, uh, amazing children. Might I, might I pat myself on the back? Um, but she gave all of that up and I, uh, I, I try to keep figuring out like, how can I help her like bring that back into her life, whether or not she wants to, Um, is a different kind of question, but uh, I don't know how many children see their parents having given something up. And we say, you know, like, how, how can it not have been both?
1: Right, right. And that's, that was exactly kind of my central question as I embarked on this journey, because I am, I'm so appreciative of everything that my parents did. As I mentioned, started out in a bed from the garbage. And literally 10 years later, they sent me to an Ivy league university, you know, with scrimping and saving and working two jobs and doing what they had to do. And yet I also felt like, well, but they didn't send me to this Ivy league university where I was exposed to so many new things just so I can live just like them you know, like there's more, I want it all. I want, back to that alpha female, I want financial security at abundance and to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And I want the freedom to actually be able to do those things.
0: Mm, yeah. Interesting. Okay. So what would you, um, what would you tell your 22 year old self starting in the finance world? If you could have a chat with her, I would say, first of all, I would say, don't worry, you're going to
1: leave finance. <laughs> and you're going to create a life beyond your wildest dreams yeah just have faith and have courage
0: yeah and it's um it's interesting that there is a massive shift like it's even on you know good old newspapers these days talking about the shift to um lifestyle creation and job creation outside of the corporate world, whether it's part-time side hustling or full-on entrepreneurship. Um, and I think there's kind of like an undercurrent where it's like, should I, should I jump now? Should I leave? Should I leave my corporate job now? But every single entrepreneur I've talked to has said, both all of my training and my skills that I've gotten to date, like I've gotten it because of the path that I was on. So it's not that the path was incorrect. It's that I figured it out. Um, and so that's nice that you're telling your 22 year old self that it, uh, it's, it's a patience game. Um, and that it's not that like, don't go into finance. You shouldn't have gone into it. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure there's sometimes kind of an undercurrent in the entrepreneurial world where we wish we would have left earlier or sooner, Um, but, but our journeys are our journeys for a reason.
1: Yeah, well, and actually, if you'll indulge me for one more minute, one of the things I've noticed is everything comes back full circle. So yeah, I was pushed into finance by family. I never liked finance. I didn't, in fact, even want to deal with my own personal finances or balance my or balance my own checkbook as I was working on multimillion dollar deals. And yet part of becoming a successful entrepreneur has meant going back, healing my money wounds, uh, you know, be becoming very responsible with money and investing. And it was only then that I started making six figures and more. And ironically, um, the number one reason most, you know, women especially use for not following their passion and purpose is finances, right? Not enough money, fear of losing money, losing stability. And I find myself, you know, 20 years later, being so passionate about money, the one, the very topic I wanted to avoid for about two decades. And, and how it is such a force not only for, you know, creating what we want to create in our lives and living how we want to live, but for self empowerment how money is just, you know, one of the ways that we can either be really empowered or hold ourselves small. And I'm starting a money course. Now I'm working more and more with clients around money and except this time in this reincarnation, I'm passionate about it. Because it's not the same thing as building financial models for someone else years ago. So it's funny. And I've seen this with other people too, as they get to their 40s, especially there's a way that it all kind of comes back. So none of it is wasted. That's the one thing I would tell people who are listening. Like none of it is wasted. There really is a reason why you've had the journey you've had. And sometimes we can't see it until way later down the line, but it was all meant to be there to make you kind of the person you need to be.
0: And to do what you're meant to do later on. So I'm going to ask you a a numbers percentage question. How many alpha females do you think have money blocks?
1: (laughs) (laughs) How many people do I think have money blocks? I would say like 99%. Uh, The same with females, the same with alpha. I mean, you know, money is just... it's a you know other than sex I don't know of anything else you know that's so loaded right like we all want it (laughs) and we want it to be good and lots of it and yet there are so many issues and taboos around it yeah
0: I love that you brought that into the conversation
1: (laughs) Yeah, well you know this is fun I feel like I could talk to you for hours but I know I know I can't.
0: <laughs> So I, I guess on the same, and maybe this is something, uh, maybe we tangent off of this, or it could be in the sim- same similar round, but I always love asking my guests, like, what is a pain point of being an alpha female, whether it's, you know, how we're perceived or how we manage ourselves, but what's a pain point right now that you're problem solving in your life?
1: I would say an ongoing pain point has always been self-management. Because I tend to dream big, I tend to think I can do it all, and then you know I tend to have way too many of those moments where there's just too much of my on my plate, and I'm stressed out and driving everybody around me a bit crazy, right? And it's always it's kind of this running joke in my family. Whenever we come back from a trip, the day after we get back, I'm like, "Who's the crazy person who set up the schedule?" because seriously, I was it, like seemed you, normal. Exactly. it seemed totally normal before I left on the trip. Right. But now that I've had a little bit of downtime, like who the heck thought she could do all this in one day. So it's a constant, right. And my husband's always like, will you stop doing this to yourself? Um, so, you know, it's a constant practice. I've gotten way better at it over the years. And it's a constant practice and self-monitoring and thinking, literally looking at what I think I can do and and slashing it. Pretty
0: much by half. Yeah. It's, it's so funny because we always th- we, we're ambitious. in like the managing our life department, I go, I go away for a weekend with my fiance and I'm like, no, we can totally grocery shop and meal prep on Sunday night when we get back. And it never happens. Like it will not, ne- it will never happen. And I don't know why I just don't order the meal planning or meal prep service ahead of time because I know it's not, but I'm always ambitious. Like, no, I will take care of us.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And then you're thinking, oh, my God, you know, what the heck was I thinking? Just get some takeout and get on with it. (laughs) I guess that's all we can do. Well, and I would say that not only self-management, but also learning to be okay with that, you know, like being okay with the good enough. Gotcha. Yeah. And appreciating
0: that. Yeah, all of the recovering overachievers um raise their hand or are head nodding right now and like, "Yep, me too." <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, so it's been amazing chatting with you, but please leave us with um well, it's my favorite question. I hope it's some of my my listeners as well. But what is your definition of happiness?
1: Well, my, my definition of happiness is literally feeling like all the important areas of my life are taken care of and flowing, you know, so I feel good about my work and how I show up uh, for clients and really feeling like I'm making a difference My relationships are thriving. Doesn't mean perfect, but thriving. You know, where I feel connected to my husband and kids, where I'm taking care of myself and feel good in my body and spirit, and where I always have my next adventure planned. (laughs) Because I never leave a trip without already in my head sort of planning the next one. It's true. I need, you know,
0: (laughs) I always need that little something. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much so much for your time. Thank you for answering so authentically and genuinely, and thank you for how you're showing up in this world. I appreciate you.
1: Thank you so much, Robin. Thanks for having me on the show, for allowing me to share with you and with your tribe. And it was really, really great to get to know you a bit.
0: For the listeners of the Alpha Female Podcast, Audible is now offering a free audiobook download, with a free 30 day trial, so you can check out their service. There's some amazing books like You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero or The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash alpha. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash alpha for your free audiobook. Thank you for listening to the Alpha Female Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. And I would love you to eternity and back. If you would be so kind to open your podcast app of choice, go do it now before changing to the next episode and just leave me a rating and review. It'll help other alpha females find this podcast and join in on the conversations. You can find more of me at robinbaldwin.com and join us next week for another inspiring chat. Have a spectacular day.